Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. We thank God for today and another opportunity to come on the podcast and drop a word to plant a seed in the hearts and minds of God, people who are traveling through this life, headed towards the new Jerusalem, but not traveling through being beat down, being depressed, being defeated, remaining ignorant and lost and broke and unhealthy and uh, wrapped up in darkness and confusion, but rather ruling and reigning, operating in the high place because they know who their father is and who he has called, chosen, equipped, and created them to be in Jesus' name. This is Minister Anthony Bonner of Truth Turn Up Ministries coming to you live on the podcast with a word on today entitled The Day Spring. Hallelujah, The Day Spring. We're going to look at a verse of scripture in the book of Luke in the first chapter, and we'll go, uh, how about chapter, um, excuse me, verses 76 on down to 79. We want to talk about the day spring, and we'll get into a deeper revelation and explanation of what that day spring means and symbolizes as we go forth prayerfully in the name of Jesus. It is time to put our people back up on the towers to blow the horns, to be the lookout, the watchmen on the wall, the Bible calls them, for the body of Christ, that some may go forth and actually operate in the gifts in which God has afforded them so that they may do exactly what the gifts were assigned to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to preach the gospel unto the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to open the blind eyes, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. Much has gone on, much is going on, and there is much more to come, which is out of the will of God and out of the line of the plan he has for his children. But we, as those who proclaim to be his children, we who proclaim to be anointed, we who claim to be forerunners, our cup must run it over so that what runs over must run out and spill into the hearts and minds and into the lives of those that God desires to be delivered and set free, that they too may operate fully in their position. What are we waiting on? What are we fearing? Well, it's not necessarily that we're waiting and we're fearing. It's that we're distracted. We're stuck. We're self-centered. Yes, we're worrying about our own situations and about our own business. We are not about our father's business. We're caught up in our own business, trying to build our own empires, trying to steer the ship of our own lives, not understanding we're missing out on the greatest adventure ever, which is being in the care, in the custody of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 76 reads, and thou child, and thou child shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remissions of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace in the name of Jesus. Now, this whole chapter, if you go back and read it, it really centers on uh, 
Zachariah and Elizabeth uh, being the parents and the supernatural birth of John the Baptist, who was the forerunner, and the prophecy of what he would do and the reason for him doing it, what the results would be. John the Baptist's sacrifice, his ministry would prepare the way of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, he would be a prophet of the highest. Yes, he would. He would go and open up Israel for all the people to be prepared for Jesus Christ to come and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, he would. So we really want to focus on verses 77 and 78 and 79 to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. We know that John the Baptist came preaching uh, repentance, that you had to be baptized uh, and that this baptism would open you up and prepare you to allow for the Savior who had been prophesied to come and for you to receive what he was bringing, this message of salvation. The salvation would not only be a salvation that would usher you into eternity, it would be a salvation from your thought process. It would be a salvation from the rule and the oppression of the Roman Empire, the government. It would be a salvation or deliverance from uh, you thinking that you could not uh, uh, be healed in the name of Jesus, that you could not freely operate and forgive your enemies. Yes, it would be a salvation that reconciled and, and redeemed and restored families. It would be complete. It would not be something that would be partial. It would bring joy to its hearers. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, it would bring power to the weak in the name of Jesus. It would be uh, good news. Hallelujah. Unto the people of Israel who had been waiting countless, countless years for this manifestation of the messianic prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. Yes, it would be. Yes, the remission of their sins, complete forgiveness, complete position to come back into the Garden of Eden, to sup with your Lord and Savior, to hear the voice of your God, to receive distinct instructions of what you needed to do to get where he wanted you to go in life, headed toward the straight road. Yes, he was. Verse 78 says, through the tender mercy of our God, through the tender mercy of our God, we know how tender our mothers can be or the grandmothers are to their grandchildren. Yes, or their children. We don't call that tender mercy. We just call that TLC, tender love and care. But see, our God who created the mother and the grandmother, who created the children, has a level of TLC that no mother, no grandmother could duplicate, imitate, reproduce, or share with any of their children or grandchildren simply because it's supernatural. Hallelujah. It touches you in a place that you need to be touched. It touches you in a way that you need to be nurtured because that's God through his uh, omnipotence, he knows all things. He foresees the need before you have it, and then he addresses it in the manner in which it is 
able to be destroyed, dissolved, or satisfied. Yes, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. This day spring that it talks about, obviously, is representing the Holy One, Jesus Christ, the prophesied Messiah that was to come. But it also prophesizes or symbolizes, I'm sorry, the dawn of a new era. A new era has been ushered in because of this day spring. This one who has visited from on high. Hallelujah. We've had an invasion and not an alien invasion, but a supernatural invasion. The one who lived outside of time, the one who possessed no form, the one who knew no sin, that no guile was in his mouth, the one who uh, was willing to interject himself in time to go under the submission of his created beings. Yes, so that he could pay the ransom, that he could be the sacrifice, that they could once again be ushered back into the place of salvation, complete victory, uh, that they could once again take upon their family identity, that they could get their inheritance, that they would know that they were to, even though they had experienced unroyal condition from generation to generation, and that their mindsets right now were dwelling in darkness, and they could not see a way out, up, or over, or through, that they just felt like it would always be this way. They've had a visitation from the day spring on high. He has visited his people. Hallelujah. A new era has been ushered in. Yes. But why? Why this visitation? Why this new era? Why now? Well, this next verse, my brothers and sisters in Luke 179 shares the exact why. Buckle up your seatbelt and get ready because it's going to make you shout. It's going to make you jump. It's going to make you want to serve them even more because it is indeed good news. In verse 79, it says to give light to them that sit in darkness. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. What a simple word, but a powerful gift that Jesus Christ brought forth into the world that the gospel could be preached unto the poor, that the afflicted would no longer have to deal with the afflictions because Jesus had come to give them light. Jesus had come to offer them the opportunity to no longer sit in darkness, to no longer stand in the counsel of the ungodly, that they could stand up and be seated with him at the right hand of the throne of God, that they could have an opportunity to now dwell in the light, that they too could become light. Yes, and in the shadow of death, God had come to deliver his people out of the shadow of death. Because if the shadow of death was there, death itself was there. Death was there. We know it comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Death can give no form of life. Death is a stealer of life. It steals dreams. It steals potentials. It steals possibilities. But now the day spring on high had come to usher in a new era that even though these circumstances, these situations, these conditions had existed, did exist, would no longer exist. You would just come unto him. Hallelujah. And learn of him and take his yoke upon him that you no longer had to sit in darkness, that you no longer had to dwell in the shadow of death, that he had come to take you to a place 
to a physical place, to a spiritual place, to a real place, to a place that would change your situation instantly. Hallelujah. A place that would renew your mind, a place that would give you joy back, a place that would give you peace back, a place that would give you hope back in the name of Jesus. Yes, that you would no longer see men as you saw them before, that you would no longer see trouble as your enemy, but trouble as your opportunity. Hallelujah. It would be your launching pad into the impossible in the name of Jesus to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Hallelujah. See, God wants you to walk in this way of peace. Because in this way of peace dwells the presence of the Lord. It says so in Psalm 16 and 11. Yes, it does. In his presence is the fullness of joy. That's what he says. The fullness of joy is in the presence of the Lord. And when you have this peace, you're now abiding in his righteousness because you're not trying to do anything. You're in the place of a receiver. If you love football or you watch football on any level from youth football to high school football to college football to professional football, there's a wide receiver and there's a tight end. And every time those receivers run their route, whether it's a short route for five yards, whether it's across the middle or whether it's a down and out post or whether it's a deep route for a touchdown. They are running with the expectation to receive the ball. They are not running without purpose. So when Jesus tells you to guide our feet into the way of peace, you should have an expectation because he's the prince of peace. And if he's the prince of peace coming in a world where there is no peace, God's going to reward you mightily. But you got to fall in love with him. You got to seek his face. You got to yearn for his tender mercy. You got to yearn the light and no longer settle for the darkness. No longer accept the sentence of death that the world and the enemy has placed on your life because of your circumstances and your conditions that you may or may not have played a part in. It may have been mama's story, could have been daddy's story, could have been your uncle's your nephews, your cousins, your neighbor, your basketball coach, your pastors. It can have been anybody's story, but it doesn't have to be your story, my brothers and my sisters. Rise up in this moment and proclaim from this day forward that your life shall never be the same because you've accepted the invitation to allow the Holy Spirit through your submitted and surrendered relationship with Jesus Christ to guide your feet into the way of peace, of power, of provision, of prosperity, and of the awesome plans he has for your life. In Jesus' name, amen.